three, two, one. What is up? No, I don't. <laughs> You've reached Hoop and Holler, a square one podcast on basketball and other shenanigans. Danny Green, I'm mad at Danny Green. I just want to thank everybody that's been in my corner during this time. With Reagan Griffin Jr. Reagan, you're the best, man. I'm the clamp guy. I am the Giannis Antetokounmpo Whoa. of Lion Center. Eddie Sun. Probably won't get hired by, you know, ESPN anytime soon. So you don't got that clutch connection. And Julio Martinez. On uh, Giannis and the Bucks, I told you so, I told you so, I told you so. Please clap. It comes from at underscore underscore KLU2 on Twitter. Bro, the fact that you knew there were two underscores before the at underscore underscore KLU. He knows your Twitter. That, that means I'm tweeting it too much. But at, when it boils down, like, that's what we're here for is the yeah. basketball. Hoop and holler, man. You already know what time it is. I'm not even going to beat around the bush, man. Julio, how you doing? I am uh, cool. Let's talk about the playoffs. Apparently, doing better than you. Nah, yeah, my I back fucked, today. Yeah, I fucked my back. That, <clears> this this <throat> might be the single day that my back actually hurts. Maybe not hurts, but it's just in a better. It's a worse spot than yours is. Yeah. Oh yeah, I, I'm definitely feeling it. Well, what'd you call it? Ego. Ego lifting. Ego lifting. Ego lifting. Ego. Yeah. I like don't that ego. Term. Don't ego lift, y'all. Because to me, there's like two kinds of ego lifting. Um. There's ego lifting where you go in the gym and you're like one of them dudes that's trying like to show off, right? Like trying to show off, trying to like look at yourself in the mirror, trying to see like you. You're basically lifting for the aesthetic of lifting, right? Oh. Like, right, like the function of it. Like that's <laughs> ego lifting. But then there's also that's like external. Oh, okay. I'm gonna start applying terms to this. That's external ego lifting when you're lifting as some sort of performance, performative, right, for yeah. somebody else, right. Yeah. Internal ego lifting, as I'm calling it. Performative now. exterior ego lifting. Perform we can we can just apply <laughs> exteriorly. Nah. Um yeah, that would I would say like that's external ego lifting is when you're you're putting on some sort of show for a broader audience, whether that's, you know, let me get my snaps in. Jimmy or Eddie would say that Jimmy Butler is an is, ego lifter is an in ego. terms of like yeah. I, I'm a I'm a post my four AM lift, I'm a I'm lifting so like my body aesthetic looks good to other people. Like if that's the purpose of it is as some sort of performance for other people. Internal ego lifting, which is what I did today, mistakenly, is when you're doing that same sort of like performance. Maybe not performance, but it's like a testing of the self, right? So for me, it was, man, back in high school, I could get under a squat rack and squat, you know, pushing 300 pounds. So this shouldn't be anything for me to get under the squat rack and put up 225, even though I haven't gotten under a squat rack for real in, jeez, pushing a year? I have not, like, I, I don't yeah. squat. Like, I don't squat. But for whatever reason today, I felt compelled to squat. and was like, yeah, let me go ahead and throw two plates on that jump. Well, fuck, fuck Did I you look stretch? Like, no, because mm -mm, mm -mm. Reagan do, like, don't stretch. I do stretch. I'm actually Reagan really don't flexible. stretch. I don't stretch. I'm insanely flexible now. Yeah, I'm. I could damn near bust out a split right now. I'm like wildly flexible, but I did not stretch. I did do like warm up. Like, let me go ahead and throw a plate on, do some lighter ones. But like, yeah, I should have stretched. I should have just like did what my body was telling me I was capable of, rather than 
what I knew I could do at one point. This man thought he was he was out here thinking he was Desmond Bain. Bro, fuck, man. Desmond Bain <laughs> scarred a whole lot more than 225. I promise you that. That boy could probably damn near double that shit. That dude, ooh-wee. We'll get into talk about a little bit of Desmond Bain. But, yeah, I, I messed my back up doing all that. It's good, though. It's not terrible. It's just... Don't ego lift, y'all. Don't ego lift. That's not good for you. That's not good for, you know, you're not impressing nobody. Just get in the gym if you can, if you got the time. Do what you can. You really ain't even got to do weights to get stronger. I don't know why the fuck I did that. Um, <laughs> I don't know why, bro. I don't know, like, what compelled me to, like, get, you know what? Because my friend Carlo was squatting 315 the other day. So, like, mm. he's squatting, if he can squat 315, I can, I, like, oh, he, he can't even dunk, man. I can, if he can squat 315. Yeah. You know, patriarchy, toxic masculinity, all that good stuff, man. Anyways. Anyways. This has been an interesting playoffs. Yes, it has. I feel like, to be honest, and this hasn't taken away from my... I mean, I I guess it's taken away a little bit from my enjoyment, but I I feel like a bunch of us thought that the playoff series would be better or that the playoffs would be maybe a little bit better than they have been. Hmm. Um, Part... Partly due to injuries, partly due to um, some teams not performing as maybe we thought they they should have or would have, um, but it's it's still been good. I think no, it's, I think it's been solid. Like I, I like the place that we're in with these um, second round matchups. Um, yeah, I haven't been disappointed. Would you say that you've been disappointed? I've been disappointed in this in the in the obviously in the Celtics Nets series. But that aside, yeah, in the Celtics uh, Bucks series, really, it, it is one one. But the games, each game hasn't been close. See, I, I guess like that. That just depends on what you're looking for, right? Because if you're looking at it from a um, like I want the games to be tight and I want to see what the players do when it comes down to the wire, which I yeah. know is what you're looking for, right? Yeah. Um, you're probably disappointed. But on the flip side of things, you could also be looking at it from a standpoint of, you know, the Bucks played a move game one, or really the Celtics played a move, the Bucks countered that move, and then the Celtics countered that move again in game two, and it worked very well. Um, why don't we go ahead and talk about that series first and foremost? Celtics, Bucks. Game one. I'm ready to tell y'all the best defender on the Celtics. Okay. It's not Marcus Smart. And it's not it's not Robert Williams. Is it Jason Tatum? No. Is it Jalen Brown? No. It can't be that old man. It's Grant Williams, bro. Oh, it's Grant Williams. That's I thought you were going to say Al Horford. That's the most, maybe not best one-on-one defender, but he's just the most like versatile defender where he's long, he's super strong, and he's big enough to hang with the bigs, but he moves well enough to hang with. That's a UT product right there, bro. I mean, that University dude. University of Tennessee, baby. I, I don't even know how to explain it. Like, he's the best. Well, number one, he's the best dude to guard Giannis on that team, yeah. in my opinion. And, I mean, he really blew me away in last series guarding KD. And, yeah, KD maybe messed up in the head a little bit, being bothered by everybody else, too. But... I mean, he held, He did more than hold his own against KD. Last year or last series? Last series. Last series. Gotcha. That and, I mean, just with Giannis, when Giannis gets switched on to, uh, or, or when Robert Williams gets switched on to Giannis, it seems like Giannis just, is scoring every, he's, every he's time. He's slow-footed. And, I mean, the only two that have been effective have been Al Horford and Grant Williams and what they did last game in game two. They just let him go one-on-one against those dudes. Yeah. Right? And I mean, so Giannis before, was getting some of his buckets. Before you get into that, yeah, let's ahead. talk about Game One. 
Okay. So wh- what they what I observed in game one was they they would have the point of attack defender, but then they would help almost to a fault, right? Which Giannis, to his credit, he found the open dudes wherever. How many assists did he have that day? I can't even remember. I, don't know. But I, I know he had 24. He didn't have a great shooting performance. But, but he had a great playmaking performance, yeah. which was, again, exactly. we talked about it last episode. That was me saying, okay, the evolution of Giannis is still happening. He this had dude, a he was, really good game. Like it was, it was everything that you needed from him. And to the shooter's credit, they knocked their jump shots down because yeah. that's always the fear is that they won't. But, yeah, mm-hmm. that was the move that the Celtics played. You're not getting shit at the rim, which it was difficult for Giannis to get it at the rim, but he made the right plays and the other players finished them. See, so. and, and admittedly, shout out to Eddie because he, he, all he thinks is, or he thinks that all I do is crap on him when he's not here. <laughs> uh, admittedly, that that's more of my game plan, especially against a guy like Giannis. Mm-hmm. That's more of my game plan and more of Eddie's game plan is to let dudes go one-on-one, and I'm going to make sure nobody else pops off. And that's exactly what the Celtics transition to. I feel like the risk with doing that with Giannis is it's not like it's a KD, Jason Tatum one-on-one where you're shooting tough jumpers. You're just getting to the rim at will. Yeah, but two games in a row he's shown that he's... He hasn't been efficient. That's the risk unless your defenders are really fucking good. There you which go. Which the Celtics are. Grant Williams, Al Horford, and even you have, if you have Robert Williams on the, on the backside, and Marcus Smart didn't even play in game two, and Jalen Brown even on a gimpy, you know, kind of hamstring. I mean, they're still out there, like, they roll 4-5 deep at all times with great defenders. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Crazy. So... That that you know you know that that's essentially what they do. And shout out to Ime Udoka for, you know, making that transition, pivoting and doing something differently, not just being stubborn in your freaking ways and saying this is the way we're going to defend. And that takes a lot of like guts to try. I think like you have to have a lot of faith, especially in your defenders with Marcus Smart being out the next game, right? Saying like, hey, we're going to stay one on one, and we're not going to, you know, that might compel another coach to say, hey, we, we might need even more help mm-hmm. to Giannis. But, you know, shout shout out to the coach and um Giannis, he I mean he he's been he's been going hard. Like even though he's been inefficient, he's played really well. I just don't think that just like what I thought before the series, they just don't have enough of offense offensive firepower. Like it literally took in game one Drew Holiday to just go bananas. Right. And that's I just wouldn't count on no, Drew Holiday. No, no doing Chris that. Middleton is definitely that's what's killing them. And I, w- I wish we could uh, see him. Um, so looking ahead to Game Three, do you anticipate the Celtics employing the same tactic? Let me leave Grant Williams, Al Horford one on one with Giannis, because from my vantage point, if they do that, Giannis is like like last game. It, it almost felt like you didn't know what to anticipate. And then once, cause I feel like with Giannis, like his processing has come such a long way, but it's still not all the way to where it's there. It's like, Oh, they're just leaving me one-on-one. Let me eat. So like, maybe he might've gotten froze a little bit anticipating help. And that didn't never really came or didn't came to the extent that it did game one. If he knows that he's about to be playing one-on-one with Grant Williams and now Horford, do we anticipate Giannis going right at them? Like, yeah, neither one of y'all can hold me. I think, I, I think he will do that. And, you know, good good for him. He did do it in spurts last game. Second half, he went crazy. Yeah, second second half, he went crazy. He was trying to dunk on everybody. The problem is, is that it's like a blessing and a curse. Giannis, 
just like, you know, people w- would say about Russ throughout all his years, he's the hardest, like, playing dude out there, like, at all times. And that can kind of get in his way. I, I don't know if you you uh, remember us talking about this last season or two seasons ago, that Bud would kind of sub him out, like, five minutes into the game and then, like, sub him back in. And, like, he can only go for... Not short spurts, but not as long as other players may go. And maybe that's because they don't go as hard as him, right? But him having to, you know, take on the full offensive burden without having a guy like Chris Middleton to his side, mm. that I, I, I would bank on that. Why? Because role players tend to play better at home. And so I don't re- I, I don't need to hear the fucking Bucks crowd go crazy about a Grayson Allen three. And him hitting three threes in the first quarter. I don't I don't need to hear that. I'd rather hear them cheering about, you know, freaking Giannis getting a, a layup. So I don't I don't need them going off. So if I'm the Celtics and this is something I kind of played around with my in my head, I don't know exactly how you would execute it, but I almost wonder if you try to approach the rest of the series and try to fuck with Giannis in that he doesn't know what's coming. Because if it's an all or nothing like it was game one where the help is coming every time, he knows he clearly knows what to do. In the second half of game two, he knows what to do if it's a one-on-one game the whole time. You can't show him the same look the entire game or else he's going to fuck you up. That's my that's what I think. Because um, you've seen, he's seen, unless they're going to employ something different, which, you know, it's either help or no help. I'm not sure what else you can do there. Um, I just, I, I have to get a guy who doesn't really shoot well from three and all of the all of the players on the what, bucks what are like mean? like I, I would help off of I, i'd kind of get like a roamer oh like somebody who like a, he's like, coming off of somebody who yeah like a well. linebacker who always watches the quarterback uh-huh. um oh a spy yeah like a spy okay, yeah, yeah, yeah okay yeah. football term so so but that only happens when a somebody guy can't shoot yeah mm-hmm. and they have guys who maybe aren't consistent great three-point shooters but you let him pop off. The it, mo- the guy that you're probably helping off of is Drew, which you don't want to do that. Yeah. So. And, like, he, he's a really good driver. And then, you know, they have freaking Grayson Allen, um, Pat Connaughton. Bobby Portis. Bobby Portis. Brooke Lopez. That's, you know, that, that's tough. That's yeah. tough. Um, But, yeah. Given what you've seen from the first two games of the series— did you have the Celtics winning? Six. Yeah, you had the Celtics I like winning. My, I like my pick. You too. like your pick? Yeah. I think I'm taking the Bucks still. I had Bucks in seven, right? Yeah. I, I just don't think their offense is nearly what it, it needs to be. And I mean Bobby Portis, like damn, he's showing He can shoot. To he can shoot. He can shoot off the dribble. He can You give know who you a little, he's working with. Who? Lethal Shooter? Yeah, he's working with Lethal yeah. Shooter. He can give you a little bump, a little step back, and, and little fades. Is he for real? Bobby Portis? No, no, Lethal Shooter. Like, if I went and trained with Lethal Shooter for, like, a summer, yeah. I'm coming back with a killer jump shot? I think so. Damn, that's crazy. Because yeah. he, he, be, his social media stuff is, like, kind of gimmicky at times. But yeah. Like, I, I guess that's the nature of it is you got to be a little gimmicky. Yeah, successful. and... You know, it just pisses me off why a dude like Russ just wouldn't go work out with him. That is crazy. If it's like a fail proof, like because Bobby Portis couldn't shoot, like he wasn't shooting anywhere close to this. Now he's what he had the even, best three point percentage. Even uh, a, a dude that I don't like at all, DeAndre Jordan, 
his free throw percentage literally like it it improved so much. How much does it do like that charge? Oh, I don't know. You think he charges NBA players, oh. or do you think he like? If you have a service, I would I would hope that you would charge for it. But no, I can also understand like he charges, but he probably at at the beginning was just doing it for free, right? Because oh. if I'm him, I'm like I'm gonna charge the white kids with rich parents. No, I'm, I'm not charging the the player. I'm gonna charge the fucking owner. Hmm. If, you, if you want, you know, your players to get better and work with me, like just tell your <laughs> See, owner to pay for it. You say that, but then it's like, could I convince the owner? To pay for like obviously we we understand like the the dividends that it's paid in hindsight right, but like am I really convincing the owner of Milwaukee to pay for Bobby Portis to go to shooting practice? Shoot, I might. Somebody needs to hire him. Yeah. Honestly, if if I'm an NBA team and it's like that for real, I would want like fucking Ben Simmons. Like, come on. Yeah. Speaking of which, did you kind of an aside? But you see the Ben Simmons surgery thing today? He's going to get surgery on his back. He's going to be out three to four months. Shit. Yeah, so like, no bullshit. Evidently, like he wasn't fucking around with everybody. Three to four months. Three to like he was. He's gonna have a legit surgery. Damn. Oh yeah, out there he said he was faking that shit. I watched a really compelling video on it actually last night. It was a doctor. He was talking about like, he's talking about like the the potential mental physical tie between like his like physical experience and his mental um. I guess troubles that he's had with his mental health and that there could be a tie between the two. Um, but basically the, the overall premise of the video, or the overall point was like to try to empathize. Like there's no way he's happy with his present circumstances, regardless of whether, you know, the injury was in his head or not, but clearly it wasn't like he's just real so injury. It's the typical, uh, it's the typical surgery when you have a, a herniated disc. It's the same one that Michael Porter Jr. has gone now twice. Ooh, so uh, the one, the one that you had, uh, no, I didn't have a surgery though. Oh, okay. Yeah. So when, when a disc is bulging out, essentially a disc. So your, your discs are in, uh, between your vertebrae and right outside or around it is pretty much like the spinal cord and where the nerves go up and down the body. And so any little centimeter that discs pop out, they hit the nerves that run up and down your spine and it can cause sciatica. It can cause, it just causes back pain. Mm -hmm. And so that little piece that's bulging out, what doctor, what surgeons do, they cut that little piece off. Let's say, I don't know, 15% of your disc. And so it's no longer hitting that nerve, Mm -hmm. but you still have enough cushion uh, you know, f- necessary for the vertebrae to function as normally and, and absorb contact, but they say that shit is is temporary, right? Right, it can keep bulging, so they, and you can't keep cutting off your disc, right? So <laughs> they can't put the disc back where it was. Um, not really, uh, because then it, that requires like st- stretching your spine mm-hmm. and like pushing it in. And when you do that, I mean, it's just going to bulge out again, Yeah. right? And so, you know, I, I told you and Eddie that one time that, you know, I came across this surgery where they put an artificial disc in there, mm-hmm. which, um, I mean, it's 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 uh, shown to be really good, but it hasn't been tested on freaking NBA players, yeah. you know? So. Damn, that's crazy. Because if it's the same one Michael Porter Jr. had, I know that that was the reason he fucking dropped so far in the draft. And uh, I know that was the same injury that pretty much derailed your career, too. So, like, that's not, that's not, 
No. That's not some light shit, right? No, that's a fucking significant. That's injury. why you get your money, and that's that's it. Yeah, he got he got it. He got it for sure. Anyways, um, what's the next series? Let's talk about the one that's playing right now. Yeah, Heat, um, Heat seventy sixers. Heat is too much, bro. So what's the what's he, the score on that right now? They they were up by like twenty. Damn. He, he, here's the thing. Um and yeah, it's over. I, uh, I, I, Heat one nineteen seventy six is one hundred three. I don't want to sound like you know, just like every other person that's talking about this series, but I I feel like I have to. James Harden. I'm officially convinced. You're washed. Like mm. you're you've come to a point in your career. Uh, I, I saw this. Stat. Somebody put James Harden against a bunch of other great players who only played. I think Harden's in his 13th season, mm. and they put him up against uh, players who only played 13, 14 seasons. And I mean, it was like some great players, um, and those were, you know, the guys who at the end of their careers, you know, they weren't even in their primes. And we like to think that James Harden, you know, obviously the great players can still pull it out at times, but. I'm convinced he's no longer that player. And it's crazy to think about because only, you know, last year he, he had a great stretch in Brooklyn. And the year before that, I mean, he was Houston James Harden mm-hmm. still. So, I mean, and, and even with Embiid, you need James Harden to, you know, he, he can be a little bit more of a facilitator, but you still need him to be aggressive on the perimeter um, on the offensive end. But now with Embiid out, you need him to go ham. Yeah. You need him to do both. You need him to be that crazy facilitator that he was in Brooklyn and even in Houston, but also be the Houston James Harden scoring-wise. Now, when even with that, even with having that James Harden, assuming that you're going you're gonna to have him, you still need Tobias Harris and Tyrese Maxey to step up. Now, today, Tyrese Maxey stepped up really, really big and, and really well. 34 points. Now imagine taking away that James Harden that you expected or hoped you were going to have. Now what do you need Tyrese Maxey and Tobias Harris to do? You need them to like double their freaking output. Right. And that's just, number one, way too much to ask of Maxey. And Tobias Harris is just not that guy. Like, you're not that guy. <laughs> you're not that guy. <laughs> you're not that guy. So um, it's over. I, <laughs> I, I think I picked six. Do you think it could be a sweep? I, I so this is what I was gonna say. I, I picked six, not knowing Embiid was gonna be hurt or orbital fracture. Mm-hmm. Um, now I think he may come back game three. So I'm gonna give him five games. Mm. I'm gonna take one game off of what I initially said. And with the Heat, it's not one guy. Like Max Str- Strauss, Struess, whatever, can have it going. Tyler Hero had it going today. Um, Bam had it going early on. And Bam just looks. Hey, di- my boy Victor Oladipo came. Victor through. Oladipo, nineteen. Ha- yeah. So How about that. And Duncan Robinson not even playing. And this is what I love about Eric Spolstra. He doesn't feel tied to any player, mm-hmm. to any lineup. To he, he plays the matchups. Right. Who should play? And um, yeah, I mean, Miami ju- just has too much firepower from all sides. So here's my thing with Harden, like. We think about a player phasing out of their career. We usually think about it like they attempt to do the things that they used to do, but it's just not clicking yeah, anymore. And he's not. He's not like attempting. It's not like he's putting up 
25, 30 shots and he's yes. just not making them. It's he not just like seems he's running like out of gas. Right? He, he, he put up 15 shots today. He seems indifferent, but the one thing that I do notice is that he can't blow by dudes anymore. Mm. Even when he does his little dribble and then boom, tries to take off and go left and drive in, he doesn't get past them anymore. Yeah. So, so he, he only had 20 today, 6 of 15 from the field. He's, uh, it's just not good. So there's no way I'm giving I mean, you max not that it's money, not bro. Good. Yeah, he's definitely not worth max money. Like I still feel like there's a role for him to carve out in the NBA if this is the James oh, Harden yeah. that we're supposed to anticipate moving forward. Mind you, um, I think it's important to say that James Harden, like we have to remember when he got to Houston, he was already some years into his career. Exactly. I can't re- I can't remember how many, but he'd been in the NBA for a while. Like, Four years. That's why Some, they at least re, they didn't re-sign him to right? a new contract. Um, and we didn't see like prime Harden until like after a year or so into Houston. So like that's we're talking like I it's like six years. It's, it's, it's going to bug like me. Five like, years. Five um, years until he really started to take off, and he had what like seven amazing years in Houston. Right. Six amazing years. You add that up. That's. Harden's that's, a, that's eleven plus the Brooklyn year. That's twelve. Well, Th- granted, it was only three years in OKC, uh, and he made his first All Star team at age twenty three. So maybe it's not as like overstated as, as um. So three years in o- OKC and what seven eight in Houston? One two three four five six seven eight. Yeah, eight that puts you at eleven plus the Brooklyn year last year twelve. And this year, 13. Point being, he's 32. Yeah. And this isn't somebody who's... 29. Like, people have underestimated, I feel like, Harden's reliance upon athleticism. Because he's not, he's not like, the dude to jump out of the gym. He could jump, mind you. Harden could definitely jump at one time. But, like, his... He's, like, a very, like, quick twitch, jerky kind of guy. That's why he was able to beat guys. He was so quick off the dribble. His first step was so fast. He could change direction so fluidly. You wouldn't even know what the fuck was going on. He just moves if so he's not as now. If he's not as twitchy as he was, right, even though he's not, you know, straight line speed, he's not John Wall, he's not Russell Westbrook, He still, if he can't be as twitchy as he was, his game won't be as effective. So, yeah, I think there's definitely some credence to the idea that, um, Harden just might not be who he was at one point. It's interesting because he, it, the fact that he's not attempting to do the things that he used to do is what bugs me. That's yeah. what makes me feel like maybe that's not it. It's something else and discomfort in his role. I being you know you know being hampered upon to facilitate more than score. I don't know what it is, but like it's something. It's it's not nothing at this point. It's not just a certain streak of games and. It's crazy to think when we do this top 10 list next year, ain't no way Harden can be on that. Hell no. Ain't no way Harden can be on that. Not even close. So, I mean, yeah, all, all good things come to an end. Um, on the Heat side of things, you already mentioned you like the um, the rotations that Spultra is or is not. Um, and I to. really believe right now they're resting. Like, uh, if this was the finals, Kyle Lowry would, would be going, mm. in my opinion. Even though it's a hamstring. This team is so deep. Bro. Even though it bugs you um, consistently, and even when you think it's good, like it, it can still hamper you. Like they're doing this on purpose to give Gabe Vincent more minutes at the point guard position. Number one, not only for this year, in case Kyle Lowry does go down later in the playoffs, because I, I actually think Kyle Lowry's okay and they're just resting him, but also going forward. 
going forward, they're not going to have Kyle Lowry much longer. What does that mean? Gabe Vincent going to take over. I mean, th- their development department, whatever you want to call it, their scouting department and how they develop, mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's it's so crazy. Like, kudos to them, and they, they can just throw so many things at you in a variety of different freaking ways. And they have a perfect mixture of, like, old vets, but, like, also young, you know, up-and-coming dudes. Mm-hmm. Tyler Hero and Bam on the younger side. But P.J. Tucker and, you know, even Jimmy, Jimmy on the older side. Gabe Vincent, he's like... He's like a young veteran type dude mm-hmm. uh, who, who plays very, you know, smart and in his role, but can also be aggressive when they need him to be. And just, I mean, I don't even want to get into all the names like Victor Oladipo. I mean, th- I mean, are- having Victor who can just come in and drop, play 29 minutes and drop 19 points a day. Like that's, that's just like an unfair luxury at that point. Cause like like I said I I I forget which episode it was but I was like if Victor Oladipo can give you seventy five percent of what he was in Indiana that's OD that's crazy to have he doesn't need to be fucking you know all star Victor Oladipo just seventy five percent coming off your bench that's ridiculous you still yeah I mean like we can name names all day but that team is they have so, and Max, so deep. Max Strauss Max Struess is the is the new. Duncan Robinson and Duncan Robinson is now the backup to the new Duncan Robinson. I mean, I don't even feel like we have to hierarchize place people on a totem pole. You could just have two fucking crazy ass shooters who you both have to account for. And Duncan Robinson has played zero minutes in this series. He actually got one in today. Oh, he got one in today? Yeah, he played a minute. That shit don't count. He got a rebound. (laughs) (laughs) He got a rebound. That's crazy. He got a rebound. So, I mean, the, the team is just so. And where you think that they lack in size, and obviously in you know natural size, Bam is not as big as other centers, sure, but he's damn athletic, and their backup big who can be or play like a true big, Dwayne Dedman, is I like one Dwayne of the Dedman. most solid backup bigs you can have in this yeah. league. He can block shots, he can step out, he can shoot. He can set good screens. He can even post up sometimes when you want him to, and he finishes. That's and, and he shoots seventy five percent from the line. That's all you need. Like, so, so what else do you need? That's all you need. Um, yeah, that that series is all but over. If between those two Eastern Conference teams, the Celtics, who you still have winning in the Heat, who seem poised to win this one, are you still favoring the Heat? I'm still favoring the Heat. You're still favoring the Heat. Got you. Yeah. All right. Well, let's move out west. Let's start with this. Game that's being played right now, Suns Mavericks. Man, I oh, I was talking about it in the group chat. I just I dislike them so much, and it sucks because the you Mavericks. know they, they have more weaponry than than the Mavericks. The, the Suns, Ma- you dislike yeah. the Suns, okay? Yeah, and the Mavericks are so like one dimensional, and I really want to see Jalen Brunson keep showing and popping off, but that obviously didn't happen last game. And the thing about it is that Jason Kidd said something, and it's not to you're going to take it as crapping on Rudy Gobert, but he said, I mean, these bigs, DeAndre Aiden, they're not, we're not playing against Rudy Gobert. This is, you know, this is a different level. So, and it's true. It's I mean, very true. Was he true. talking about offensively or defensively? They're offensively and uh, the Mavericks defensively. So you're saying, like, 
it's not like we're playing Rudy Gobert. Like the DeAndre inter- Ayton can actually go get a bucket. Exactly. Okay. The in- fine. The yeah, interior sure. like presence offensively on their side is just much much different. So it's not like you can just switch anybody onto him. Yeah. Push him out a little bit, and you know, expect DeAndre Ayton not to get a freaking bucket. And so that's different. They're obviously uh, playing a, a better um, point guard and just backcourt. And so, um, also with the Suns, it's like their home court advantage is so annoying. It's all their role players. Just, I feel like they're always on, or maybe it's just the games that I watch. Like they always seem to step up. Jay Crowder last game had like five threes in the first quarter, um, but you know th- that stuff isn't going to be consistent. And even yet, when they got out to like a seven. 17- to three uh, start. Did Booker play last game? He did. Okay, he did. yeah, but like a seventeen to three, seventeen to five start, whatever it was. The Mavericks still found a way to stay in the game and stay, you know, relatively close. Why? Because Maxi Kleba was going just bonkers on just, just. I think he had like five threes by the first half, and that's something that's it's going to have to spread out a little bit. And uh, Spencer Dinwiddie's going to have to get something. Jalen Brunson's going to have to get in it. Um, and this is where I also feel like they miss a little bit of uh, Tim Hardaway Jr. Hmm. Um, because they need his like firepower offensively to combat what the Suns do have to relieve a little bit of pressure off of Luka. Um, but, and, and Luka had what, like 45, whatever it was, so... I mean, he played well. It's 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 just never seems like a group effort, especially when they're playing a great group of guys like mm-hmm. the Suns. That that's an interesting way to put it. I, I would I would agree that the Mavericks never feel like a group effort offensively, defensively. They play really good team basketball, um, but offensively, when the Mavs' offense is at their best, it feels like one guy is just going off, and everyone's kind of just filling in the. Um, the peripherals a little bit, hit a three there, make a layup there, offensive rebound here, whatever. But it's Jalen Brunson went for 45. Luka went for 40. Maybe it's Dimwitty had 30 or something. It's never like, I mean, we're going to talk about them in a little bit, but like the Grizzlies, like, oh, damn, 2020, 20, you know, kind of everybody's eating, um, which makes you wonder if the Mavs are at this be- at their best in this like sort of iso ball helios- heliocentric style of play where one guy does take the majority of the shots and facilitates the majority of the offense, does that make it easy for the Suns to stop or any team to stop when it's, it's like I have to key in on one? It's predictable, and I have to key in on one guy, and I have the defenders to do it. They have the length and the strength. Um, regardless of how good of a guy like Luka Doncic or, or Jalen Brunson is, you put – you know, McCall, and then you switch, and you got to look at Jay, and then you switch again, and it's Cam Chris Johnson, Paul, like too. Chris Paul, Gets like DeAndre Ayton's at the rim, like it's it's a lot for anybody to handle solo. Um, they played him straight. That, that's another th- team that played him straight up, just like Giannis. Mm. They played Luca straight up. Yeah, and it's like if you're gonna kill us, drop your forty five, but we're gonna shut it. Like with the Mavs, that's an easier proposition because Luca's doing a lot of difficult things. With Giannis, he's getting to the rim. With Luca. Um, a, he's gonna get gassed, and B, I don't like if I'm the Suns. I feel I believe that I'm good enough to beat you if I only have to play you. Um, With all that being said, I think, uh, damn, I okay, I I think that the Suns take game two, 
And that the Mavericks take three and four. And four? And four. Um, it's, I mean, remember, I, I got the Mavericks, so I, I can't really, I, I really got too many games to play with. But mm. um, I feel like Luka has a tendency, and maybe it's only because he, he doesn't have a lot of games in his playoff career. But I feel like he has a tendency to get down like 0-2 and then just still be like, eh, we're okay, you know? Did they go down 0-2 to the Clippers? To the Clippers. And they won like three straight or like two straight. Damn. Yeah, I do remember that actually. Yeah, yeah. something like that. Um, and I don't know. It's just I feel like there, there's like a calm confidence in Luka, but yeah, I don't know. I, I just think the crowd, the freaking role players and – I don't know. And like Chris Paul after the game was asked, like the first question, of course, that they asked him was about Luca after mm. the freaking game after they won. And I just feel like they have like a chip on their shoulder, especially after losing last uh, season in the finals. So I don't know. I, I think they take game two, but the Mavericks take three and four. Just speaking off of, of freaking Luca and the role players going crazy from three. Speaking of um, reporters asking Chris Paul questions, did you see that clip of like, they're talking about like Theo Pinson or something like that. Yeah, um, that, that was the same one. That's the same one. So he was like, "No, Theo Pinson can play. Everybody on the roster can play." Yeah. What do you think about that? I just think like he he's annoyed that after I just won the game, you asked me about Luca, which I I understand, but I I just don't like Chris Paul. What do you think about like the the notion that there's guys in the NBA that can't play? Oh. The last dude on the bench can fuck bust anybody your ass, up, bro. Fuck anybody up. You see Montrez Harrell at the at LA Fitness? <laughs> the fuck is Montrez Harrell doing at LA Fitness? He was looking like KD, bro. But yeah, but like, why would he go to LA? I've, you know, I, I can't even say why would you do that. If I was that good at basketball, I would almost certainly every now and again go play some regular ass people just to be like, yeah, yeah. let me fuck everybody up real quick. Just in in to, a town that I know that people hate me. I wouldn't even do it in a town where I knew that people hate you. It would like it would be like on some random shit. Like, what the fuck is NBA All Star Reagan Griffin doing at the um? downy fucking yeah. you know see yeah. just like what the fuck are you doing here like yeah, yeah i'm here to fucking hoop like that yeah. shit would be a i feel like it's fun for the player and then b it's like gotta be fun for the people just to like share the court with somebody like that yeah <laughs> that should be hilarious but of course he looks like who do you say he looked like kd freaking kd bro of course he looked like KD. and Montrez has a job like if you look at Montrez in the damn drew league he's fucking everybody up killing him um so of course he's killing him in uh fucking la fitness um. All right, we got one more series to talk about. Warriors Grizzlies, one one tied up. I'm so upset. Are you upset at the fact that the Grizzlies are not up two zero right now? Yep. I'm upset at that too, but I'm also I also look at it like we could just as easily be down two zero right now. And the, the, here, here's where the series is weird. Number one, Clay Tom. Okay, Clay Thompson played horribly mm-hmm. last game. Number two, Desmond Bain has been vastly underwhelming. His his back is kind of bothering him. He, oh. he has a lower back injury. Oh. I feel like he has more to give, especially Seriously? in terms of the shot making. I didn't know that. Yeah, it's nothing like it's not like a herniated Ma- disc or anything. Maybe like that. because maybe that's why I, I see him moving kind of like he's not Gin- into the game. Gingerly. Yeah, uh, yeah, he's not. He's his back is like he has like a. He pulled something or something like that. Okay, so 
Um, th- st- I still feel like he has more to give, though, in terms of shot making. Yeah, yeah. So, I, I mean, anyways, Ja obviously had an amazing game last game. And this is where he needs to improve, though. Like, in even in his amazing games, maybe his best game ever last game, like, he has to see that a lot of that shit, it's not, no, by no means is it luck, but it's like... A lot of the, his shots that he makes, it's purely off athleticism. And I, I just don't feel like he's he gives himself enough credit to where, like, I know you have so much more skill than you let on. You do not need to jump into the freaking big guys at the basket and just have to contort your body and do all these things. He fell last game. I, I really, I 100% thought, I thought he hyperextended his knee. I don't know if you remember. I don't know who he got hit by in midair, but he landed on his left foot, and I thought his knee buckled. And it's like you, you go into this shit, like just jumping into the fucking air and like throwing up these float. Like you, number one, you got to get more of a mid range game. Number two, obviously your three has to improve. So here's my thing with that. Sure, agreed. Protect yourself. Though I will say, John Morant has actually taken like falling like lessons. Like he knows how to fall to protect himself. But like, and this is also going to improve. Like your these are things that you can improve on down the road. But like, I need these wins now. You know what I mean? Yeah, so, yeah, however yeah. you can do it in this present moment is how I need you to figure it out. Because like, I can't ask you to develop a mid range game in the next day. So, if I'm the my point is, if I'm the Warriors, bro, keep taking those shots. <laughs> keep taking those shots. Like, but he's hitting them. He dropped forty seven uh, last game. A bunch of the games in in the Minnesota series. That shit was not going in, and in game one. But that it not going in versus it going in, it's way more likely. Like we've seen it from job throughout his whole career, it's more likely to go in than it is to not go in. I I'd much rather have him like doing those types of shots. And mind you, I mean he he has a good, you know, he has a good floater. He has a good, you know, finishing ability with his left and all of that. But if I'm the Warriors, bro, take those shots. Get tired. And then the other thing, he don't get J- tired though. Jaron Jaron Jackson Jr., bro, I thought I fucking told you, bro. Stop fouling. Okay, I do want to talk about this. I was talking with Eddie about this actually. Jaron Jackson's fouls come off the dumbest shit. I, I I feel like a lot of people have the notion that because he's a rim protector, right? Um and because he's kind of like a lanky like Isaiah Mobley-ish body where it's like your limbs are kind of everywhere and it feels like you have a lack of control of yourself. I'm with Eddie on that like, one. It feels, I mean. And I, mean, I know, I, I di- I, I'm i not agreeing with you. I'm, I agree with Eddie. That he don't have good body control. I mean, it's not even like, I don't think he has good body. Like the point being, like I feel like his foul troubles don't even come from him attempting to block shots as often as people might think. It's dumb shit. Like, Driving the paint with no control and catching a charge—that's or like that's bad body control, or like you know, or I like think there was a lack a fa- of skill. There was like a foul where, like, maybe like Josh should have caught out the screen and he didn't, and and Jaren didn't see it coming, but he like ran into a screen like a hundred screaming a hundred miles an hour, um, and it was an offense or a defensive foul. Like he fouled the screener, just like silly shit like that. It's like if you just told if if, if Jaren only got his fouls from trying to block shots, he would not foul out of any game. But it's like the ancillary stuff where it's like you did not have to do that. It's all it, you it's, did not have to do it's that. It's the charges. That I mean, that, the that's, charges are bad. 
the it's because he doesn't know the, like the, reaching fouls. He's a swiper and, sometimes. And this is like, skill. It, like when you when he when uh, as a big guy. Okay, number one, he's big as hell, meaning he's strong. Number two, he's long as hell and tall as hell. Number three, he's athletic, so he's not only those things, and he can't jump. No, he can jump. So the minute he takes one dribble from the three-point line, he feels, and you know, rightfully so, that he can finish, and he can. He can finish, get close, and maybe even dunk the ball. The problem is is that so many guys, I mean, guys in the NBA are way smarter than that. Like, they're going to get under you, and they're going to, you know, draw the draw the charge. And so you can't just, oh, shit, I'm close to the basket. Let me just jump. And that's what I feel like Ja does sometimes too. But he has way more control. Like, he can avoid charges, jump to the side. Jaron just, oh, shit, I'm going to go up. And, and then he goes like, yeah. like oh, fuck. Like, those, those, those fouls will be frustrating as hell. Like, how about you take an extra dribble or do an NBA hop step or actually do a better Euro, not your predictable ass Euro and and – and that's that's why I, like, the larger point is I feel like it's not recklessness so much as like presence of mind, which perhaps go hand in hand. But I feel like it's not just like he's just throwing himself around and doesn't know what the fuck he's doing. He's just like it, it it's it's a processing thing. I feel like more so than it is like be, a ability be, because his biggest offensive, I guess, weapon is him literally running, catching the ball, and shooting a three on the run. If somebody closes out on him, he's going to feel compelled, and it's okay to do so because he's quick, he's strong, and he's big as fuck. It's okay, but you have to be a little bit more controlled to when you counter that. You can't just straight line drive, let me just jump. Oh, shit, charge. Yeah. You know? You know, uh, freaking do a floater sometime. Like Jokic. Jokic does float it all, and he moves as slow as a snail. I don't, I don't think he's in, that's in his bag. That's, so, that's not in his bag yet. But like... Point being, like, if he were to just do the rim protection thing, and he didn't, like, he he has to scrape off those ancillary fouls because protecting the rim is going to get you three, four fouls a game. So you can't get those other three, four, or those other two or three off silly stuff because we need you out there. And when he's out there, Julio, he's done Jared's better hooping. This year. He's hooping right now. I like mean, the, this the, the, the three is falling. Three's like, falling. his touch around the rim is better. He, he He's like, that's why you need him out there. Because he punishes the Warriors for putting Draymond on him by saying, well, shit, I'm going to hit this three. Like, he fucking went off um, two games ago. One game. Uh, game one. A game, yeah, game one, he went yeah. crazy. And last night, he, or was it last night? The yeah. last game two, like, he was doing pretty well, yeah. too. So it's like, you just, like, I, you're you're great, so we need you out there. You can't have the, the, the frustration fouls. You can't have the reckless charges because you got to be out there for the sake of your team. Here's a, another funny thing about the this matchup too is that for years and years, and I mean, it, it's correct in saying this, you know, people were always saying you never want to run with the Warriors and blah, 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 blah. Oh, yeah. Gonna, we run. We'll run. They're, they're, they're going to, you know, they're going to they're gonna just shoot you out that. the gym. And, and, you know, that's true. And can they still do that? Of course they can. They can still shoot you out the gym. They still have Steph. Clay can still shoot. Now they have a dude named Jordan Poole. Of course he can shoot. But now they've become an even, they've straight away, they can still do that, but they've straight away more from that and become of a more half-court 
kind of like how K, how they used to play with KD, but in, in, instead less isocentric, but still you know half court centric offensively, but more like trying to dice up uh, the defense with screens and movement. And so my point is is that I'm not saying they're not trying to run, but a lot of their offensive mastery, especially this year. In, in this year's playoffs is done in the half court, meaning you you don't want to tell your team or, or the Grizzlies shouldn't shy away from, oh, shit, I don't want to run with, with, with the Warriors. No, this is why I said at the beginning of the series, before the series started in my prediction, that they ha- kind of have to catch them off guard with the Warriors going from the Denver Nuggets being a slow-ass team with Jokic, and that's fine, going to this team, they have to shock them. Right, going fast, playing fast, playing your own game, and there's periods of, of of you know in these two games that you notice, and it's like some real bad basketball going on. And, oh yeah, and it's gotten ugly. At and times. this, and I feel like but it's great. This is the a Grizzlies product. will win if it's an ugly basketball game. So this is a product of the Grizz of kind of Grizzlies basketball. Grit and not grind. saying that they're playing Shut bad the fuck on up, purpose. Eddie told me to stop talk, talking about grit and grind. Not not saying that they're playing bad on purpose, but Steph and uh, Draymond, obviously, when they're not on the court, the ball is in whose hands? Jordan Poole. Jordan Poole. Jordan Poole is young or old? He's pretty young. And so, can he shoot well? Yeah. Of course he can. Does that make him take bad shots? Yes. It yes. Does. I mean, the Warriors. And so there was like a, a stretch. Like set like five minutes where both teams missed like every single fucking shot. Mm-hmm. And it was such bad basketball. Both teams were taking fast shots, but um, the 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 Grizzlies actually ended up uh, capitalizing on that with some rebounds by BC, some shots made by uh, um, what's his name, uh, Zaire Williams. He's and, he's I, I've been very impressed with him as a rookie this series, and so and, and even. Uh, the the buzzer beater by the point guard, Melton. Uh, no, the other one, Tyus Jones. Tyus Jones. So it's like when those dudes are not on the court and the game kind of gets ugly, that goes in the in the in Memphis's favor. So here's the thing about Memphis, like that team thrives on games with high turnovers, a high amount of possessions, a lot of back and forth, a lot of fat. Like when when. I forget who the announcer was last night or whenever they played last, but they basically were saying that the Grizzlies were speeding up the Warriors, which, yes, they were. They were making the game chaotic, but within that chaos, the Memphis Grizzlies thrive. So when Eddie tells me that the the Grizzlies need to lose the grit and grind mantra, I tell him, like, no, you don't because it's a modernized version of it. No, it's not the half-court, you know, post-up Dribble, you know, throw your shoulder into somebody like that version of it with Marcus Saul and Zach Randolph. But it is a grit and grind in the sense that, like, we're going to play some ugly ass basketball because I know if we play a pretty game, the Warriors are probably going to win. But if we play an ugly game, the Grizzlies have a shot. Yeah. The Grizzlies have a shot every time. Where Steph is getting a little frustrated. Clay is taking quick shots. Jordan Poole is taking quick shots. And uh, you, you know Memphis is getting up and down. That that works in the Grizzlies' favor. And I mean, it's I mean they're obviously better than the Timberwolves. So you, I mean, I guess you can't use it as a case study so much. But that's one of the reasons why that that they won. Those games were so ugly. Mm. 
I mean, the 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 Grizzlies came out on top. So if, if they keep it away from like, uh, if they keep the Warriors away from playing a San Antonio Spurs esque kind of where they just pick apart the freaking defense, that's good and speed up the game, that's good for, for the Grizzlies, obviously. I love the physicality that the officials have allowed the players to play with. Obviously, it's gotten too egregious at times. Like, Dylan Brooks shit was ill. That, like, I, I, I didn't even see that. Like, it was, it, like Basically, they had a fast break. Gary Payton's about to go up for a layup. Dylan is behind the play, and he just, like, fucking, like, he doesn't even get, he doesn't even jump to try to, like, block a shot. He just, like, fucking swipes. Obviously, like, trying to give a hard foul, to try to um, prevent an easy layup, but it was just it, it it was a not a basketball play. B it wasn't even really an attempt at the ball. He just like swiped as hard as he could in Gary Payton's direction to try to get stop him from getting an easy. I heard layup. he fractured his he's, fucking yeah elbow. fractured his elbow and there was some um, ligament damage too. So he's out three to five weeks, which is which sucks. Um, and in no way like that that shit is like that that was OD from Dylan Brooks. But I will say this: the Golden State Warriors. Steve Kerr, Draymond Green, Eddie Sun, y'all need to get off your fucking high horse because y'all have not been any better. Like the like the ill shit has been done on both sides of this series. And just because Gary Payton got hurt doesn't mean that we get to start crying home to mom and talking about Dylan Brooks broke the code. Like the Golden State Warriors, if there is a code, the Golden State Warriors have been breaking a code for a very long time with Draymond Green, with Zaza Pachulia, with a whole lot of ugly shit. So, like, if we're going, we go, we're going to call ugly, ugly, unsportsmanlike, unsportsmanlike. But let's be fair about it. Let's not act like the Golden State Warriors are just like above that shit. You know what I mean? Like that. That was that kind of threw me off a little bit. I was like, Steve Kerr, what the fuck are you talking about? You breaking a code when your own player literally grabbed Brandon Clark and dragged him out of the air and be flipping people, kicking them in the nut. Like, come on now. Like, yeah. It, like, if we're gonna have an ugly series, which is a look like that's this is what this gonna be. Draymond's let's, have a, the, let's have an ugly series. Draymond's right? the one that's always talking about. Uh, he, I think he went on his podcast a few days ago, or maybe after the after a game in the first round where he was like, um, "Man, I, and here I was thinking that the referees uh, let stuff get a little bit more physical in the playoffs. I guess I was mistaken, but that's how it should be. So, I mean, he talks a lot on his podcast. And I mean, uh, uh, that, imagine when Draymond Green gave BC an orbital fracture. Like that's what I'm saying. That's what that's literally what I told Eddie. I was like, bro, we have to judge intention, not outcome here, because the outcome was obviously ill for Gary Payton. But Brandon Clark could have just as easily been hurt on his play. And I would be sitting here talking about how dirty of a player Draymond Green is. I'm not gonna sit up here and lie, but let's not act like you know ill shit hasn't been done on both sides. What, what Draymond did, he saw BC have an open dunk. And he didn't he want gra- the momentum to swing. And so he hit him. Like he was like, I'm not letting him go up. And then in the middle of hitting him, he saw that Brandon Clark, even though his face was, I don't know, in slow motion, was probably not looking anymore at the basket, but he, that he was still going up. Right. And it's not that hard to make a layup. So probably after he hit him, he was like, oh shit, this dude's still going up. Let me pull his ass. So th- that's, that's what happened. And uh, Eddie, Eddie talking about some damn. He just his hand got caught in his shirt. No. That shit is crazy. Hand got caught in the shirt is wild. But um, anyways, yeah, I digress on that point. Like this was just that just this is just grinding my gears. But like, fuck is Draymond doing on a podium talking about? Oh, I could have had a concussion. Y'all booing me. I'm like, you're in 
Memphis, Tennessee for a playoff game under any circumstances. If you get anywhere near fans, you're getting booed. Uh, Eddie, it had nothing to do with you being injured. You were getting booed regardless, bro. Eddie, I have not looked at this, so don't judge me when I say this. Has John Morant had a better Apex One game than Stephen Curry has ever had? In a playoff game? Yeah. Has Steph ever gotten 40? Uh, I'm, I'm sure he's gotten 40 at some point, but I'm not sure it's ever been as like palpably yeah. on him as it was on Ja. Yeah. Like he scored the last 15 points for the Grizzlies. I don't think he, Steph's ever done something like that. But um, I did want to say this about the series. So where I get frustrated that we're not up 2-0 right now, and granted like we could easily be down 2-0, so I'll take what we got, 1-1. You have to win one in Golden State because here's how I see the rest of the series playing out. No matter what happens, Memphis will win game five in Memphis. I I feel like you can take that to the bank. There's going to be so much energy behind it. Memphis will win game five. Didn't you also say Memphis is going to win game one? Should have won game one, honestly, <laughs> but that's neither here nor there. I, I would all but guarantee Memphis wins game five in Memphis. I would also all but guaranteed that Golden State wins game six in Golden State. So if you're Memphis, what that means for you is you cannot go down 3-1 because once you go back to Golden State, you're not coming home to play another game, from my vantage point. If you get one game at the Chase Center in the stretch, if you can squeeze one out some way, somehow, and come back to Memphis with a 2-2 series, you win that next game. 3-2, 3-2, I would probably say you go lose in the Chase Center, 3-3, but you come home from, to Memphis, Tennessee for a game seven tied up 3-3. That is the best case scenario for Memphis right now. It could have been you went up 2-0, stole one in the Chase Center, sealed it, you know, but that's probably, that's, 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 that's hopeful egregious. thinking. That's hopeful thinking, right? If you could steal one in the Chase Center... I feel very, very confident about Memphis's ability to win the series. If you don't, if you if you go lose two straight in the Chase Center, it's done. You can't go down to a team like this three one. Yeah. Can't do it. But if you come back to Memphis with a two two series, oh yeah, I'm feeling real good, Julio. I'm feeling real good. Yeah, I mean they have to get a little bit more. Uh, th- this is where Memphis struggles. They don't have enough, and, and this is why. It, it became such bad basketball too. Memphis doesn't really have any one-on-one. Pl- I mean, I I know Dylan Brooks likes to consider Jesus himself Christ. one-on-one player, but um, they since they don't have a one-on-one player, and Anthony Edwards was, you know, he was on sometimes and he was off, and it was just bad basketball. So at the end of the day, when shit gets close, I know, and as they should, they should go to Jaw, but it, it just seems like reckless shot taking sometimes. So they have to get especially in crunch time moments where if you don't have a KD, if you don't have a Kyrie, if you don't have these types of dudes, LeBron or or whatever, you have to get more movement Mm. in the offense. And when shit gets like even to the six minute mark, seven minute mark, very like like, job, it gets like time to go. All right. It's like they hold to like eight seconds till half court. And then he does his little run and jump. Yeah. And he tries to speed past him and he jumps and then he kicks it out like before he lands on the ground. And then it's like 
fucking frantic it oh, doesn't, shot it does, fake and it then, doesn't feel sustainable so yeah so th- that's that's number one that that needs to be fixed and then obviously number two you cannot get beat i think they were even on, on the rebounding matchup after game one you cannot be even you cannot barely beat them you gotta you obviously can't lose it you have to kill them on yeah. the rebounds and brandon clark is doing i mean talk about like Going hundred and ten percent doesn't exist, but somehow that that man has it. Yeah, that man he falls, he pops up. I, I wish AD had his heart, bro. Like that is the most like seeing him is some of the most impressive shit that that I see as a basketball fan. Um, it, it just brings so much like like that's a dude that I just want to have on my team, and um, so he does his job. Jaron was was doing okay. But, um, you know, they have to kill them on the glass. And it looks like they might start uh, playing Kaminga more, which is a bigger body. Mm-hmm. But I feel like because he's a rookie, or is he second year or rookie? He's a rookie. Rookie. Because he's a rookie, some of those things like boxing out still may be, you know, yeah. on the back burner of, of, of a guy, of a dude. Especially def- like play Kaminga because, like, the, I, I, like, I don't think he's ready for the smoke. Like, he made some really good plays, but this is a high-energy playoff exactly. environment, and he's, like, still a raw player. Exactly. Um, so so I, I think you can get the game away from him a little bit. Um, but, yeah, I agree with you. you got to win the rebounding battle a lot more than they have been because once those threes start falling, which they will for Golden State – you're going to need some sort of counterbalance. And the only way I see that coming is by extra possessions because we're not going to be able to shoot with them. That's just not going to happen. And what what brings uh, you know, a lot of their offense is not, again, playing fast, not in the half-court offense. How do you do that? You get rebounds. How do you get rebounds? You get stops. This is what they got to be locked in freaking defensively. Brandon Clark... I can't say enough about this dude. Dude will defend, you know, the biggest dude on the court, and he'll also def- go out and defend. He'll get switched on to Jordan Poole and still do his thing. So he's he's cool. Jaron, you know, he he's good. He just, just gets can't pick up any silly fouls. foul trouble. And then, uh, you know, Jai, you know, I give him a little bit of an excuse. But Desmond Bain, I didn't know that his back was hurt, but he looks, you know, again, kind of sluggish. And if they're not going to have – Imagine if a uh, dude gets suspended for next game, Dylan Brooks. He won't. Um, Zaire Williams has been okay, right? Yeah, Zaire Williams has been very good, actually. He's good defensively. He's been very good. So, And even a dude like him, if you give me, what, 80%, if you give me 80, 85% of what Dylan Brooks and that's a lot to you know ask for of a guy like that. But if you give me 80 to 85% of what Dylan Brooks gives me on the defensive end, I'd rather have you on the offensive end. The thing is with Dylan, it's like you just got to be able to rein that shit in sometimes, man. Like th- this team is so loving and so like trusting of one another that I don't think anyone checks him. Like says Dylan, yo, calm right the now, fuck bro. down. Yeah, like relax on like offense. Like it's almost like one of those things. Like you're waiting for the Dylan game. But I'm not sure. Like you, you're, like it happens. No, like I swear, I shit you not. Me and my dad. We would go back and forth. We would vacillate on them. I'm like, nah, he's not like he's he's cool. I appreciate the grit he brings. I appreciate the tenacity on the offensive end. I'm not sure he's it. My dad's like, no, Dylan Brooks is a bucket. And I should, every time we would sit down and watch a Grizzlies game, Dylan Brooks would go off, and he'd just be looking at me. I'm like, but this isn't. It's not like 
but I couldn't even say shit because he just looked like a fucking bucket. But like, maybe that's what I, I just need to watch games with my dad more. Um, but like, damn, like when it, when it's like when it's not there, it's bad. Like he's the yeah. type of dude. Like he starts putting up that mid range, just like Jesus, fuck Dylan, please, and, and, please. And here's the other thing with the Grizzlies, because they're young. They get a little, they they get a little bit of happy feet. So what do I mean by that? Number, well, Early number in the shot clock shots. Uh, that, but also number one, Zaire Williams. My only concern with him is that I, I mean, I like him more than Dylan on the offensive end, but because he's a rookie, he kind of like knows his place a little bit too well. Like, bro, you, you can go get a buck. Like, you can. You can shoot the three really well. You can, uh, you know, do a one one dribble pull up. I don't need you passing just because a dude's open and you're open. You know, also I need you to be a little bit more aggressive. So this is one of the things. Like they'll get out in in a fast break. It'll be a three on two, three on one. Zaire will have it, and and he's long as fuck. How tall is he? Like six seven? Six nine. Six nine. Yeah, bro, get the fucking layup. Why do you kick it out to a three? I don't care if he's open. You're open. Take your fucking three. I hate when young teams do this. Just take the easy shot. That kills momentum. That kills, you know, not, not you know, let alone the points. But it's also like stupid shot. Like, oh, they, let, let's let's get a three. Like, no, just take the fucking layup. Just take the layup. Last thing with Memphis, and then we should probably get up out of here. But, like, in these next two games... In the past two games, I'll say this. There have been opportunities in both games for Memphis to run away with it. And I know that Golden State is a veteran team and they're poised and they've been there and they've done that and all of that good stuff. But I'm looking at Memphis as a team that has a slim but very real chance at winning the championship this year. And if you're going to be a championship team, you have to be able to put teams away early. They've accumulated these double-digit leads, Golden State didn't have their first lead until like late in the third quarter of last game. The game one, there was like a 10-point lead. You have to stomp on necks. You have to be able to run away with games. And I've seen them do it in the regular season, but against a team like this, I want to see them run away with the game. Because Lord knows Golden State will be able to do it to them if and when the time or the, the opportunity presents itself. Memphis has to run away with games when the opportunity presents itself. When the shot isn't falling, when Draymond Green gets ejected, all of that sorts of shit, those are the moments where you have to fucking clamp on the throats of your opponent and suck every bit of hope out of them. Memphis hasn't done it to this point. They're young. Yeah, Golden State's a seasoned team, but that's what I'm hoping to see in one of these next two games. It is crazy, though, in this series— uh, like let's say for example, uh, Golden State will be up eighty-two to seventy-nine. Mm-hmm. I go get a, I don't know. I'll go cook up some quick shrimp. Right, shrimp is so easy to so easy to make. Hate shrimp. Right, hate seafood. You make it in in two minutes. Shrimp and rice, easy. It's gross. You come back. Memphis is up by five, eighty-seven, eighty-two. You go to get a water. Maybe you go to the bathroom. Quick number bro. one. I hate bathrooms. You come back, Warriors up, 95 to 90. Yeah. You go do something else, go outside to get something from your car. You come back, Memphis is up 195. It's like, this is, and then you'll have some droughts, right? So 
this is, and I mean, basketball alone is a game of runs and momentum, obviously. But this series especially, both teams, because they can play fast and they can shoot the three, I mean, the runs are insane. Like, I don't want to say a 20-point lead is nothing, but as we've learned from this season, especially in the NBA and as we keep going along, 20 to 25 points, even 12 points in the fourth quarter with four minutes remaining, that's almost nothing. So to your point where they got to keep their foot on the gas and keep consistent, not get happy, not get too, you know, and of course it's a part of their swagger and a part of their identity, but they just... They gotta. I mean, there was a period of time where they was up, bro, and I saw nothing but wing and corner threes for like that was the six bad, straight possessions. That was the bad stretch that it I was, was talking terrible. about. It was terrible. I was like, teams, no one's attempting offense right now. Yeah, both teams were just And it's bad. like, you can't get into that sort of game with Golden State because they'll win every time. That shot's going to drop for Clay. It's going to drop for Steph. It's oh. going to drop for Jordan Poole. It's going to drop for Wiggins. It's going to drop. You can't play that game with them. Do what you do best. Get to the rack. But... All in all, I'm high. Like I'm, 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 I'm feeling pretty good about where Memphis is right now. Because in both games they play, it wasn't like a, a Celtics Bucks proposition where it was like, okay, you won one, but then you lost the next one, and it looked kind of bad. Both games they were in it. Both games could have been won. Both games could have been lost. And that's the type of games that Memphis. If they play those types of games, Memphis will have a shot in this series. Yeah. Yeah, if they start losing by twelve, those are the games that you'll never win. But if you keep it tight all the way through, and then win appropriate step on the fucking throat, you you can win this series. It's a very winnable series for Memphis. I'm still taking them in seven. It's just they gotta. I mean, me too. They just have to take way smarter shots offensively because the Warriors are a team that they capitalize on, and they're a team that gains momentum easily. Yeah. So you got to take much better shots. And you gotta stay consistent on on, uh, on on defense on the on the perimeter because I mean they're the Warriors' offensive presence interior on the interior. I'm not gonna say it's a joke because obviously they penetrate and, and all that, and they even there's ways in basketball to penetrate the rim without penetrating with the ball. Right, you can penetrate the rim just by bringing guys into the paint and just. Yeah, so much movement going on. So they do that, but they have like no interior presence inside. So yeah. you got to take advantage of that. Play super tight. Do you feel like they should play the Stephen Adams? Um, I feel like there's just too much movement. But I mean, Draymond. But if you have a guy like, but you can't sag you can off Draymond. Sa- but if 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 you want to sag off Draymond a little bit. A guy to do that with is Brandon Clark. So I mean, like, who can recover? Who can? There was know. there was one period where like I think it was Jaron. He sagged off Draymond, and I was like, no. And like as soon as I recognized he was sagging, I was like, can't do that. In the very next second, Curry just takes a DHO, pulls it, bucket. That's why you can't sag off Draymond. Yeah, okay. Is that they're gonna just DHO the fuck out of you? You can't really sag off anybody because everybody knows how to do that. So I nah, would I, I wouldn't play. I would. I mean, like, if it's getting bad, I would try it to see if it works. But like, I'm I'm in agreement with you, especially the way Xavier Tillman's been playing. Xavier Tillman's been hooping. He's been hooping. But yeah, I'm looking forward to see how Memphis responds going into Golden State. It's going to be interesting with that environment. How um, at least they don't play Jared Culver anymore. No, nah, I mean they never really played him for real. He just kind of got fucking minutes when people were hurt slash 
dead minutes but anyways any any parting words for our audience before we get up out of here nope just Mavericks in 7 Memphis in 7 Boston in 6 and you really want a Mavericks Grizzlies Western Conference I'll Finals take that all fucking day Jaws my second favorite player and Luka's like my fourth favorite player I don't yeah I mean obviously I'd rather see the Mavs than the Suns fuck the Suns it really don't matter who we see honestly we want all the smoke it's Memphis out here, man. Memphis, Memphis, Memphis. I don't know who I would choose. Mavericks, Grizzlies? Yeah. Fuck out of here, man. We killing them. Are you kidding me? Killing oh, them. I, I love Luka, bro. Killing them. Give Luka two games. The standard Luka two. Give them <laughs> Luka two. two. We up out of there. Anyways, that'll do it for this episode of Hoop and Holler. As always, thank you all so much for tuning in. Check out Twitter, Instagram, socials, all that good stuff. We will see you next time. This has been the Hoop and Holler podcast.